Right on, right on, right on. Hey, welcome to Right On Radio, everyone. Boy, we have a good one for you today. Uh, and I apologize for starting one minute late. Uh, Chris should be here. I was just on the phone with him. He'll be jumping in any moment. Please like and share. Try to get the share out on this. I've been had an extremely busy morning doing interviews and stuff like that. And uh, haven't been able to get the, uh, the word out about the show too much. But uh, this could be a good one. What are the foundations of American society? How was America actually founded? What went wrong? Well, I think you're going to get a lot of clues in this particular episode. Uh, so thank you for joining. Uh, please give a like and share and all that stuff. Uh, and remember that uh, we're really trying to get right back into the uh, to the top 10 on Podbean. And uh, it's only through your participation that we're going to be able to do that. Uh, so welcome. Hey, thanks for coming back in to the radio show. Just going to give it a moment and have a few people come in. Chris should be joining us any moment. And uh, as I say, this is going to be a good one. We're going to be talking about the foundations of America. What happened? What went wrong? The secret foundations of America in particular is the connection. And uh, what I couldn't fit into the title because it's limited by a certain amount of words is there is an Irish connection. And, you know, a lot of the time we think, you know, we're the Americas are tied to the UK, tied to the Vatican. Those things are true. However, uh, what is the Irish connection? And remember, uh, if you are a patriot and you are fighting for the country, one of the ways you can do it is to switch stores and go to a patriotic store. All the stuff you're already buying from your, uh, you know, main grocery stores and things like that, you can get from a family-owned, patriot-owned store and really make a difference. Better products, even less price in a lot of the case. And the way to do that is to go to switchaway.com slash R-O-R for right on radio. So switchaway.com slash R-O-R. And I see Chris Wilson has entered the building. Chris, are, are you able to come in as a guest, or do you just want to call in? Uh, there you go. Uh, Chris, you'll be on, and there you are. I'm going to turn the calls off for now. And so he risks his life, folks. He was high up in the military. He was selling arms to all the different countries. He was part of R&D. He saw some of the highest tech. He knew a lot of the government's highest secrets, and it was enough to get him to turn into a whistleblower and he started researching not only the stuff that he had uh, purview to but he started researching all of the things because as everyone knows as soon as you start going down one rabbit hole you go to another rabbit hole and this has led to decades of really intense research done by Chris he has found some of the best people in the world and what he does is he cross references a lot of their uh, material. He checks it out and sees if he can verify it. And then he consolidates a lot of their work. So, you know, rather than reading, you know, an entire book by someone or whatever, Chris takes out all of the best stuff and puts it into a logical sequence and, uh, and then presents the Intel briefs to you. So Chris Wilson is not his real name, but we just call him the military <laughs> analyst and we keep his anonymity uh, for security purposes, of course. Uh, he can get killed for some of the stuff he presents. Not every brief is like that, but man, some of the stuff that he's already brought out on Right On Radio really are some of the deepest secrets that are out there. And by the way, today's Intel brief is uh, posted on the Military Analyst uh, website, which you can find at rightonyou.com. That's R-I-G-H-T-O-N with the letter U, rightonyou.com. Go down to the Military Analyst and... If you choose, it's a $17 one-time fee uh, for as long as the website's up there. You'll have access. You're never asked to put another dollar. But if you want to be an ongoing supporter, and yeah, it's a little bit more, uh, but $3 per month, and that really helps to support uh, not only Chris, but also uh, helps to support the radio station. And the last thing I'll do before I hand it over to Chris is... Uh, if you see the little gift tab at the bottom right of your screen, I think it's at the bottom right of your screen. It looks different than my screen. However, there's something called pod points, and it's the currency of Podbean. 
And to get into the, the top rankings and to have Podbean really uh, push your information forward, we need to do a minimum of eight live shows every month and have 220,000 pod points, which comes out to about 220 bucks. So I'm not really asking you for money, but man, I want to get back up there uh, in it. And if, if everyone could give a couple bucks here and there, it adds up. Get us to the, it's $220, folks, per month that has to be raised uh, from the audience for Podbean to push us uh, in that direction and put us in the top. So uh, if you care about the, you know some of this stuff we're doing, I'm doing extra shows now. I've got a new show that uh, will be on Friday with uh, called The Next Page, and, and it's with Jeff and Tom. We're doing current news, kind of a, a fast, hard-hitting show, and uh, we're doing more and more shows, probably going to add some more military analyst shows as well. Uh, so we're working hard and if you, and we also do ministry stuff folks. And so some of this Intel stuff gets people in and then they hear our ministry show and hopefully hear the word of God. So, uh, that is the perspective in which we do it from here. So without further ado, let me hand it over to Chris Wilson, the military analyst. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Um, I'll just make a couple points. Um, I, <clears throat> to, uh, Go over what uh, and enhance what you said is that basically, audience, I would not be here if it was not for Jeff and Cisco Wheeler. You would not be getting this information. You would basically go your entire life without knowing the truth of what truly exists. And it's because of Jeff's commitment, his dedication, both spiritually and to ideologically, you are actually getting the correct truth, not only from a spiritual level, but an intellectual level. And this is exactly what the, they've got at least 28 names, but basically oligarchs to neocons to globalists, it goes on and on and on. But this is what they do not want shared. And Podbeam for your information audience was originated, managed, and it is owned by the New World Order, specifically the uh, Masonic Order. Anyway, so I just wanted you to know, if it wasn't for his dedication, you wouldn't be getting this, and you would go your entire lives without knowing the truths of life. It is only because of him and Cisco that I'm able to do this for all of you now. So please remember that. And I do appreciate there's at least a dozen that continually come in from Jan to God's Rainbow to Misty River, uh, uh, and a host of all others that have joined and truly and simple life want to know the truth of life. Okay, let's go forward. This episode is part one. This is by Michael Saracen. It's that's T S A R I O N. He's originally from Ireland. The T is silent, so it's pronounced like uh, Sarian. Anyway, I consider him the number one alternative historian in the world. I know the top 120 worldwide. I know who they are and I share their knowledge. In the future, depending how much time we have, I believe it's about six months left before they collapse the banking system, but we will find out, but it'll definitely be in the springtime that uh, I may be able to bring some of these people on board as a guest with Jeff's permission to actually, instead of me interpreting their word, you get it live from them. So we will see what we can do. But I've contacted about 16 of them, and at least half a dozen have already said, yes, they will come on for whatever show I'm hosting. We'll work on that in the future. Well, let's go forward. We have two parts. We're going to cover this. This is a secret founding of America. This is the Irish origins of civilization, what the world does not know. And I can't show you the pictures, but Jeff can post that on uh, right on University, right on you, and you'll be able to see the front. This is by Michael Sarian, as well as Nicholas Hager, and that's H-A-G-G-E-R. Sarian, I said, is spelled T-S-A-R-I-O-N, the T is silent, and we're going forward. <clears throat> A constitution of government, once changed from freedom, can never be restored. Liberty, once lost, is lost forever. That was stated by our second president, John Adams. The Secret Foundings of America by eminent historian Nicholas Hager was published in 2007. It is one of the first and best mainstream 
books dealing with the roles in the founding of America of the Templars, Freemasons, and Illuminati, which are all one in the same. They're just different variations, and they merged. In his previous book, The Syndicate, and that's S-Y-N-D-I-C-A-T-E, 2004, Hager honorably cites researchers such as G. Edgar Griffin, Edward Griffin, I know of him too, among other controversial authors mentioned by Hager in his source selection are uh, Bagent, and that's B-A-I-G-E-N-T, Lee, just like my daughter's middle name, L-E-I-G-H, and Lincoln, Holy Blood, Holy Grail. Most have heard of that. Another one is Nesta, N-E-S-T-A, Webster, W-E-B-S-T-E-R, and hers is Secret Societies and Subversive Movements. Next is Lady Queensborough, that's Q-U-E-N-S-B-O-R-O-U-G-H. It's British, Occult Theocracy. Next is Carol with two L's and two R's, C-A-R-R-O-L-L, Quigley, Q-U-I-Q, Q-U-I-G, rather, L-E-Y, and hers is called Tragedy and Hope. Next is Stephen Knight, which is K-N-I-G-H-T, and his is The Brotherhood. And last is Ralph Epperson, and that's E-P-P-E-R-S-O-N. The Unseen Hand is his book. I believe that this type of book, which delves into the secret societies and which is written by an academic, is among the first of many to come. The so-called conspiratorial subjects are becoming popular and more and more people are asking vexes and penetrating questions about occulted history. Humanity skepticism is increasingly is increasing and people are clearly not as uh, content as they once were to just continue believing what they had been told about history from conventional sources. This turning of the tide has not gone unnoticed by the powers that be. In the past, the establishment moved to silence authors and suppress literature that exposed the dirty big secrets of religion and politics. To a certain extent, such expression and suppression still goes on. However, the establishment has begun to use another tactic. It has begun ever so gradually to co-opt overtly controversial subject matter. The new tactic has been adopted because the power brokers have finally realized that they cannot wholly suppress the truth. Lately, they appear to have decided to present controversial information in a sanitized form by way of writers under their control and from inside institutions of their making. The work of these authors poses no major threat whatsoever. Their sanitized ideas concerns the evil of the status quo can safely be presented to the masses. This strategy is effective. It ensures that real teachers remain suppressed or in the background. It is their hard-earned information that is craftily taken and artfully packaged and presented before the world by disingenuous publishers and media networks. I recommend Nicholas Hager's excellent books. The first is The Secret Founding of America. I broke it into two parts because of its length, as I do with most. The second book is The Secret History of the West, and the third book is The Syndicate. All these are available. You'll see this once Jeff uh, has already posted it. I suppose and reference any book, movie, or documentary that succeeds in exposing the truth about the world's insidious religious, political, and financial institutions, as well as the camera-shy cabal, plural, working behind the scenes of world affairs. Hager expresses in a clear and concise manner how Freemasonry and Templarism insituated itself into American political and social life. His book contains information that reinforces my long-held belief concerning the complicity of Benjamin Franklin. Hager shows that this father of America was an Illuminati stooge besides a traitor. And for the revelation along, rather alone, I am thankful that this book is in circulation. I suggest that it is read alongside of these, Treason in America 
by Anton, that's A-T-O-N, last name is Shatkin, which is C-H-A-I-T-K-I-N, and To the Victors Go the Myths and Monuments by Arthur Thompson, that's T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N. Below is a selection of excerpts from this immensely important work, the overall picture. In 1760, the map of North America showed, point one, wide chunk of British control along the East Coast from Maine to coastal Georgia. Point two, extending 100 to 200 miles inland. Point three, then Native American control of a buffer zone which separated the British from the French interior. Point four, in the South, Florida was predominantly Spanish and that would be the East Coast, whereas the British actually succeeded for a term to uh, have the West Coast as well as the uh, uh, panhandle of uh, Florida all the way to New Orleans. Okay, the population of North American colonies had risen from 4,646 people in 1630 to 1.6 million in 1760. So in a period of essentially uh, 130 years, uh, it's, it's almost exponential. Next point, Portuguese pioneers. The 15th century saw European mariners exploring the globe. The Portuguese were first voyaging to Porto Santo, and that's P-O-R-T-O-S-A-N-T-O, off West Africa in 1418. In the course of the century, they sailed as far as the southern tip of Africa and set up trading stations at Arguin, which is A-R-G-U-I-N, Sierra Leone, and that's S-I-E-R-R-A, second word L-E-O-N-E, and Ilmina, which is E-L, second word M-I-N-A. In 1497, Vasco da Gama, that's V-A-S-C-O-D-A-G-A-M-A, sailed round the Cape of Good Hope and up Africa's east coast, making possible Portuguese trade with India. Portugal was then the westernmost country in the known world, and there was great interest in what lay further to the west. Christopher Columbus, a sailor from Genoa, who had married a Portuguese woman and settled on Puerto Santo in the Madeira Islands, which is M-A-D-E-I-R-A Islands, read D-A-I-L-L-Y, that's Diali, in Lisbon in 1483. He also read the works of Marco Polo, who had left for the East in 1271 and returned from China in 1292. He became convinced that the earth was round as he believed and had been asserted in the prophecies of Isaiah, and that's 11.10-12, uh, and the apocryptal second book of Esdras, and that's E-S-D-R-A-S, and that's 3.17 through 19, hyphen 19. After an audience with Ferdinand and Isabella of Spain in 1486, Columbus tried to reach India from the west. Having sailed for 33 days, he landed on the island of, and I'm going to spell it for you, G-U-A-N-A-H-A-M-I, and that would be Guanamami, near the Strait of Florida in October of 1492. Whatever the truth of Columbus's voyage, it opened the way for more voyages to the New World. Next section, Spain on the scene. The Spanish Catholics came, rather can claim to be the first planters in America 42 years before the 1607 Jamestown settlement. Spanish Catholics preceded the Jamestown settlement and can claim to be the very first planters of America. One strategic reason for the founding of the Virginia settlement was to counter the Spanish and French moves into the Americas. Juan Ponce de Leon, and that's J-U-A-N, second word P-O-N-C-E, de, and then last L-E-O-N, was with Columbus during the visit to Florida in 1493, which at the request of Ferdinand and Isabella emphasized the Christianity, or Christianization rather, of the Indies. Ponce de Leon stepped ashore at his, what now is St. Augustine, that's A-G-U-S-T-I-N-E, on the east coast of Florida, uh, closer to the uh, Georgia border, where he named La Florida, which because of its luxuriant foliage of the place, because in Spanish it means foliage. In 1521, 
He returned with 200 men to find out, one, whether Florida was an island, two, to establish a colony, and three, to find the Fountain of Youth. Instead, he found death. Native Americans opposed his landing and drove him off. And in the course of the battle, he was wounded by a Native American arrow, and many of his men were killed. He returned to Cuba to die of his wound in 1522. The next significant landing of Florida was in 1528 by Panfilo, and that's P-A-N-F-I-L-O de Navarez, and that's N-A-R-V-A-E-Z, a one-eyed veteran who had served in Cuba and Mexico. Florida was first visited by Spain during Columbus's second voyage in 1493. Spain was now in competition for America. John Cabot, and that's C-A-B-O-T, had claimed North America for England in 1497 and 1498. And Amerigo Vespucci, and that's A-M-E-R-I-G-O, second word, last surname, V-E-S-P-U-C-C-I, had discovered South America and claimed it for Spain in 1499. St. Augustine was the northernmost outpost of the Spanish colonial empire for 250 plus years, between 1501 and 1767, when it belonged to England. The Floridians became Spanish once more from 1783 until 1823, when Florida became American under Andrew Jackson, president. So, the Spanish Catholics came to claim to be the first planters in America 42 years before the 1607 Jamestown settlement in Virginia. Of the European settlers, we have said that the Spanish can claim to be first. However, the Catholic legacy in America was canceled out by the Church of England, the Anglican Church, and the Puritan settlements further north. Indeed, it can be said that the English defeated the French and Spanish in their struggle for the New World. Next section, the Virginia Company. King James I declared in the incorporation of the Virginia Company in the first charter of November 1606 that it would bring glory in propagating, quote, Christian religion to such people as yet live in darkness and miserable ignorance of true knowledge and worship of God. And what people don't know is that King James I was a 33 degree Masonic order and that he was controlled through the Rothschild dynasty bloodline. He directed the Virginia Company president and council should ensure that the quote, true word and service of God be preached, planted, and used according to the rites and doctrines of the Church of England, end of quote. In 1606, the Virginia Company of Plymouth had been receiving a charter from James I for colonizing the northern coast of Virginia from 38 degrees to 45 degrees latitudes north, farther north than the Virginia Company of London's territory. At the end of May, it sent two ships to New England. One was the Gift of God under Captain George Pompham, P-O-P-H-A-M. And the second was Mary and John name under Captain Raleigh Gilbert, G-I-L-B-E-R-T. The company's work was carried out at high cost with little return. No gold was found during the years before tobacco plantations and the slave trade began. In fact, this work might have been a causative factor in setting a trend of slave owning in the American South. The company set the pattern of one, Southern landowning, two, slavery, three, exploiting Native Americans. By the end of the 1620s, when the population of Virginia was almost 2,500, most of the settlers' energy was going into the export of tobacco. Tobacco planters imported slaves from Africa who were under the direct control of their masters. The Elizabethan landed values introduced by the 1607 planters had a new form, as feudal serfs, called slaves, were now tied to the land. By 1660s, the number of slaves began to rise, and by 1670, the population of Virginia had climbed to 35,309 in 1670. A slaveholder's Christianity grew up and a slaveholding religion that had nothing to do with the Christianity of Christ. Next section, Robert Cecil, C-E-C-I-L, surname. In mid-December 1606, 
the first Virginia company, which was dominated by Robert Cecil, the principal patron of the London Virginia Company and prime mover of the establishment of the Virginia Company, whose pro-God man, Christopher Newport, N-E-W-P-O-R-T, was to be an admiral. Note, the Cecil family established the first intelligence networks in the world, which became MI6, that's British. The Guinness family is a branch of the Cecil dynasty, which are the purveyors of alcohol. Freemasonry in early America, next section. Because the English saw off the French and the Spanish, the Catholic legacy influenced the founding fathers less than a secret society that gathered influence among the protests. Next section, Freemasonry. Despite the efforts of Catholics, Anglicans, and Puritans, the founders of America owe more to this fourth group, the Freemasons in the Anglican Puritan North. While religion was behind the first plantings, circumstantial evidence indicates that Freemasonry was also present and that a secret uh, deist, which is D-E-I-S-T-I-C, um, Freemasonry, subscribing to a non-Christian concept of God and hiding behind a religious facade inspired the constitutional arrangements that prepared the way for today's superpower. Indeed, the first United States was a Masonic state. From the very early planting days, Freemasonry spread throughout the new world like a rampant strain of a new virus, presented itself as a method by which union could be achieved. Its network of secret societies afforded hierarchies in which point one, all could rise, point two, find a place, point three, participate in rituals that drew on the earlier cultures, point four, meet influential masons socially, and point five, express ideas behind closed doors. A useful context of confidentiality in which all who questioned British colonial rule could operate without fear of being betrayed to the colonial authorities. Freemasonry came to have an enormous hold over early America. English Freemasonry became formalized in America in the 1720s, the first decade in which there were reports of American-based lodges. In 1733, Rastacrucian Freemasonry formally entered America when St. John's Lodge was established in Boston. It became the Masonic capital of Britain's American colonies. And for the audience's information, Rastacrucian is the higher level of Freemasonry. Okay, we see that today Freemasonry has an agenda for one, a new world order, and two, a federal continental United States of the world, which nation states are, sub, are <coughs> subsumed as states. Before that, John Skeen, S-K-E-N-E, a Mason of the Aberdeen Lodge, in 1670, uh, note that a Scottish, uh, it, not an English lodge at that time. Uh, the Scottish, by the way, audience has uh, 33 degrees uh, as far as its rights to climb the ladder in Freemasonry under, under the Scottish order and under the, um, the York, which is British, that one has 10. Okay. And... Um, he emigrated to New Jersey in 1682 and became deputy governor. That's John Skeen. And Jonathan Belcher, B-E-L-C-H-E-R, an American-based settler, became a Freemason during a visit to England in 1704. In 1719, a ship called the Freemason did American coastal trade. Next section, Francis Bacon. It has been claimed that Freemasonry is point one very ancient, and point two goes back uh, variously to the 15th century BC uh, by in the neighborhood of Egypt of Thutmose III. Now, point C is the 10th century BC Israel of the wiser rule Solomon, and more recently, point four, to the medieval stonemasons and cathedral builders in York in 926 AD 
and Cologne, Germany in the 12th century. Be that as it may, it is often held that one, English masonry was founded by Francis Bacon, who in 1579, he's British, when he was 18, saw the need for studies to be more secret among, quote, sworn brothers in arms, quote. It is likely that at an impressionable age, Bacon was put in touch with a group whose symbolism reflected in early English Freemasonry in 1579. This may have been a uh, Pyrenean, which is P-Y-R-E-N-E-A-N, group of the Cathar exiles who had fled the Montségur, which is M-O-N-T-S-E-G-U-R, which is in southwest France, when the Cathars had been suppressed in 1244. Or more probably, a group of refugee Templars who had fled France in 1312 and had reacted to the burning of their leader, Jacques de Molay, and that's M-O-L-A-Y, in 1314 by forming a secret society across the border in Spain. It is possible that Bacon was in touch with secret Jewish knowledge on the borders of Spain and France while still in his teens. Next section, Anthony Bacon. It is hard to believe that the 18-year-old Bacon just made Freemasonry up without being influenced by any preceding model. Manley Palmer Hall, okay, claims that he was initiated into a secret society in Navarre, France, and that's N-A-V-A-R-R-E. His brother, Anthony, ran an intelligence service for the Earl of Essex, E-S-S-E-X, there in England, and friendly with the Protestant King of Navarre, the future Henry IV, King of France. Bacon lived in Paris with Sir Amaeus Paulette, that's A-M-I-A-S, last word, surname, P-A-U-L-E-T, the English ambassador to France and acquired a knowledge of the French court. Okay, next section, uh, Bacon D and America. He, Francis Bacon, is listed in the 1609 charter as a shareholder of the Virginia Company of London and one of the 52 members of the Virginia Council, that being the board of directors. As Solicitor General, he also prepared the Virginia Company's charter in 1609 and 1612 for the King's signature, along with Sir Henry Hobart, that's H-O-B-A-R-T. Bacon threw his group's weight behind the English plans to colonize America. He looked back to John D., the Renaissance mage, and that's uh, M-A-G-E, who had encouraged voyages to America in belief that a utopian commonwealth could be established in the new world. John D. is the most well-known in ancient times alchemist, who is thought to have inspired Prospero, and that's P-R-O-S-P-E-R-O, in Shakespeare's Tempest, focused on the Northwest. He laid the foundations for Britain's imperialism by claiming that conquest by King Arthur had given Elizabeth I title to foreign lands, such as one, Greenland, two, Iceland, three, Friesland in the Netherlands, and uh, the North Pole towards Russia and the North Pole itself, meaning the Northern Islands toward Russia, besides just the North Pole. He claimed that the New World was appointed by the Providence for the British to influence and rule. Note, for more on Bacon's occult interests and influence, see The Secret in the Bible by Tony Bushby. And Bushby is B-U-S-H-B-Y. He's also an incredible uh, author, alternative historian, and he works with uh, Michael Sarian uh, on joint projects. Bacon's New Atlantis, in quotes. New Atlantis, quote, was about utopia in the new world. It concealed the secret doctrine to create a new world and democracy within its utopianism and was a Masonic blueprint for America. Bacon suggests that England could become an Israelite England. A Rastacrucian Freemasonry may have established itself in America in 1635 when the missing works by Bacon, Francis Bacon, were reputedly taken to Jamestown. These may have included the sequel to the New Atlantis that Bacon is thought to have written. This is believed to have included a timetable for fulfilling the Masonic plan for America. Next section. 
secret Templar presence. It is possible that a Freemasonic faction may have been working within the Anglican, Anglican ambience in the Anglican church hierarchy. James I had brought Templarism from Scotland to London in 1603. And that clashes between Anglican and Masonic factions may go some way to explain the confusion. Without such a scenario, it is hard to make sense of the many tiny confused events that comprise the settling of Virginia. It has also been claimed that America was discovered in 1396, further dating back than the Chinese voyages or the voyages of the early 15th century. In that year, Henry St. Clair, Earl of Orkney, O-R-K-N-E-Y, and Lord of Rosland, and that's R-O-S-L-I-N, which is now spelled R-O-S-S-L-Y-N, and an early Templar. The St. Clairs, it is claimed, were descended from the high priest of the Temple of Jerusalem. He placed his fleet under the command of his two sons, and this is the Zeno family, Z-E-N-O family of Venice. Henry met Carlo Zeno in 1364 and allegedly sailed with the Zenos to America, where they explored the northeast coast of what became Canada and interacted with the, what they're known as the, um, it's difficult to pronounce, but it's M-I apostrophe K-M-A-Q, and that would be the Mi'kwaq people, the Indian race. It is claimed that evidence for the voyage can be found in the stone carvings on both sides of the Atlantic and a strong oral tradition. The voyage was assembly Templar, and it is possible that Templarism took root in North America in the lands St. Clair is allegedly to have settled. It's not allegedly, it's fact. Indicating a possibility that Templarism reached North America through the St. Clairs of Roslyn, okay, and we're talking Scotland, over 200 years before the Jamestown voyage. This is fact. Going further back, there have been claims that one, the Phoenicians, two, the Romans, three, the Ghanans, and that's G-H-A-N-A-I-A-N-S of uh, Africa, North Africa, uh, four, the Welsh, which are the Madoc, M-A-D-O-C, fifth, the Irish, which are the Brennan, B-R-E-N-D-A-N, uh, six, the Vikings, seven is the Templar fleets sailing from Brest, okay, B-R-E-S-T, uh, eighth is fishermen from Portugal and France, and uh, nine is the men of Bristol, England, and 10 is the English pirates culminating in Hawkins, H-A-W-K-N-S, and Drake, D-R-A-K-E. They all traveled to America across the high seas, questioning the tradition that it was discovered by Columbus. Columbus was not the first audience, he was the very last. He had ancient maps that dated way back and he knew exactly where he was going. He wasn't going to find a, a short route to India to, for spices. He was going to claim the land for the Vatican, which used a different name at that time. And all the all the land was, and the spoils on board uh, for this acquisition that um, Columbus is the, one of the greatest, um, I'm trying to think of the best word. Well, I won't say great. He is, he is one of the uh, largest, um, destroyers, and um, he is attributed with 4 million uh, Native Americans in the Caribbean. Uh, because when he arrived in 1492, uh, what had happened was uh, um, one of his uh, sailors that was on board the ship uh, became a priest and wrote down in a journal, which I was able to recover, whereby they went uh, into... Um, um, Hispaniola, which is now Haiti and uh, Dominican Republic. And their objective was to basically er eradicate the natives so that they could claim it, that they, uh, a second portion was to bring slaves back to the Lisbon, Portugal, and the uh, um, Barcelona, uh, Spain slave markets uh, to claim the land for the, the Vatican and any indigenous people either had to be converted into Catholicism or eliminated or brought back as slaves. So that wasn't much of an option. But anyway, 
uh, he is uh, credited with being one of the greatest uh, uh, destroyers of mankind. And that's why his statues are being torn down in Ohio, uh, Cleveland, I think Cincinnati, and throughout the United States. Everything written about him is absolutely fictitious. Okay, going forward. Um, so, they all traveled across the, America, across the high seas, questioning the tradition that it was discovered by Columbus. And then see America BC and this uh, also Saga America, both by the author Barry Fell, F-E-L-L, -L, not cited by Hager. Templar Freemasonry turned the philosophical, philosophical idea of Freemasonry into a means of securing political power. Its goals were political rather than occult and philosophical, as was Bacon's Baconian Rastacrucianism. It is sought and still does to transform the world into a world government, a universal democracy, quote, eventually a universal republic. And that's in the book, A New Atlantis. It should be thought of as a kind of a secret intelligence service with a large network rather than a system of closed lodges where strange rituals take place. Templarism shaped the America into which the founding fathers were born every bit as much as English Rosicrucian Freemasonry. All the founding fathers and the American revolutionaries belong to the Templar lodges. That's important. From the time Franklin, who was a traitor, one of the very first, he sold out our country. He was a British spy. His number was 0029. And he was also um, part of the uh, Hellfire Club, another secret society. Of the Basically, when uh, the time that Franklin joined the Templars in 1770, the Templar Freemasonry controlled American politics. Of the 56 who signed the Declaration of Independence, 53, according to others, were Freemasons. The first president, George Washington, had been initiated as a Rastacrucian Mason in the lodge at Fredericksburg, Virginia in 1752 and became a Templar Mason by 1768. Next section, Puritan and Rastacrucianism. At the Masonic Congress of 1663, it was decided that the Rastacrucians' belief should be incorporated into English Freemasonry. Rastacrucian Freemasonry may have established itself in America in 1635, when missing works by Bacon were reputedly taken to Jamestown. These may have included the sequel to the New Atlantis Bacon is thought to have written. This is believed to have included a timetable for fulfilling the Masonic plan for America. So close were the Puritan and Rastacrucianism, in essence, that it can be said that the Puritan philosophy was actually merely Rastacrucian. So it can be done that some of the post-Mayflower Puritans who joined the Plymouth settlement as reinforcements brought Rastacrucianism with them, and over a period of time, it passed into Freemasonic lodges. Puritanism, especially Dutch Puritanism, was strongly linked to Rastacrucianism. For example, John Wilkins, and that's W-I-L-K-I-N-S, uh, Frederick V's chaplain, was closely linked to Rastacrucian in the Palatinate, which is P-A-L-A-T-I-N-A-T-E, and tutored Frederick and Elizabeth's son when he was sent to England. Wilkins co-founded the Royal Society when the Invisible College met in its rooms at Wadham, and that's W-A-D-H-A-M College, Oxford, from 1648 to 1659, and he had a deep connection with Puritanism. Samuel Hartlib, which is H-A-R-T-L-I-B, was the link between Andrea, and that's A-N-D-R-E-A-E, -E, and Oliver Cromwell, C-R-O-M-W-E-L-L-O, -L -L, and was the central figure of an invisible reforming group to England. Cromwell himself frequented a Rastacrucian Masonic Lodge, uh, now called bizarrely the Crown, and that's C-R-O-W-N. He could have only been gained admission if he was a free, if he was a Rastacrucian Freemason to begin with. In 1753, Rastacrucian Freemasonry formally entered America when St. John's Lodge, and that's was established in Boston, the first city. It became the Masonic capital of Britain's American colonies. By 1737, 
There were lodges in Massachusetts, New York, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, all committed to implementing the plan for a utopian new Atlantis. We now begin to see how Rosicrucian Freemasonry affected the founding of America through the founding fathers of the 18th century itself. In February of 1731, Franklin became a Rosicrucian Mason, and in 1734, Provincial Grand Master of Pennsylvania. He worked for Freemasonry's One World Agenda. Note, see my articles on the ancient dynasty which has worked through the centuries to socialize the world. Thomas Jefferson, the writer of the Declaration of Independence, was also a Rosicrucian, and a Rosicrucian code was discovered among his papers. The federalism that finally united the 13 colonies into states was identical to the feudalism of the Grand Lodge system of Masonic government, which had been created in Anderson's Constitution of 1723, when the first Grand Lodge appeared in America. Freemasonry was therefore behind the independent movement and devised a concept of independence and the structure that would follow our independence. Benjamin Franklin, The New World. Next section. Rosicrucian Freemasonry affected the founding of America through the founding fathers of the 18th century itself. Benjamin Franklin, a Boston boy who moved to Philadelphia, was set up in business by the royal governor of what is now a crown colony, Sir William Keith, K-E-I-T-H, in 1724. In February 1731, Franklin became a Rosicrucian Mason and in 1734, Provincial Grand Master of Pennsylvania. He worked for Freemasonry's One World Agenda. In 1753, Franklin had become Deputy Postmaster General for the colonies, which meant he had access to all the letters and communications and was in effect, he was a spy master. In 1756, he was admitted to the Rosicrucians Royal Society for discovering that lightning was electricity. In 1757, he went to London to represent Pennsylvania in a dispute, and he spent until 1762 in England and France. By the way, audience, uh, he was actually born in uh, France, I believe, uh, outside of Paris. Uh, he then emigrated to England and became, uh, as British, came to the United States, and he was their greatest spy for Great Britain against the Patriots. Okay, Franklin will go on. Um, he was again in England in 1764 to 1775 and discovered Baconian English Freemasonry secret doctrine to create a new world or, quote, philosophical Atlantis, quote, in America, the Masonic blueprint that Bacon had concealed in his book, The New Atlantis. Franklin and the Great Seal of the United States. Next section. Franklin convinced Jefferson and Adams that they should use a Masonic seal that had come into his possession, which is now the Great Seal of the United States today. Freemasonry was therefore behind the independence movement and devised a concept of independence and the structure that would follow said independence. The Illuminati, next section. In December 1781, an understanding was reached between the Grand Orient Freemasons and the Illuminati, and a combined order was adopted. The Illuminati, now hidden within the Grand Orient, moved to Frankfurt and spread throughout Germany and Austria. Next section, the Grand Orient Templars. They, assume, they absorbed Weishaupt, and that's Adam Weishaupt, and Weishaupt is spelled W-E-I-S-H-A-U-P-T. They assumed... Adam Weishaupt's degree and the Illuminati's activities continued with the Grand Orient and Scottish Rite Templar Lodges. Note the Templars were formed in the 12th century by the Superior Order of Zion. They spelled it S-I-O-N. We spell it Z-I-O-N. That continued to exist through the centuries. One had to pass through the Templar degrees to become an initiate of Zion. The Illuminati was also a recruitment society within the uh, DEIST, and that's D-E-I-S-T, philosophy that ran contrary to Christian doctrine. After the Illuminati was suppressed, it merged with the Grand Orient Masonry and has been undercover since the 18th century. 
the Scottish Rite, the Grand Orient, and strict observance systems of masonry, imports from Scotland, was dedicated to the world supremacy of the Stuart dynasty of Great Britain. And all Templar organizations were dedicated to the rule of the Morovian nobility, and Morovian is M-E-R-O-V-I-N-G-I-A-N, the Morovian blood dynasty of France, Scotland, and Holland. The Illuminati's libertine communistic disposition attracted many intellectuals and nobles throughout Europe. There have been several major and minor internal rivalries between leaders of the various top secret societies leading to the events which changed the course of European and American history. One must remove the covers of Catholicism and Protestantism in order to ascertain what is really the case with societies of this kind. That is the end of part one, Jeff. Jeff? Yeah, well, thank you very much, Chris. That was really good. Sorry, I didn't have a time to get my uh, proper mic put in. I hope everyone can hear me. Yes. Uh, man, this one was fantastic. Can't wait for part two. And, uh, oh, hold on. I got to get someone to say hi, just get his voice on the radio. The guy who gave me my microphone for my studio and advised me on starting a podcast, please welcome my friend, Tony. Hi, guys. How you doing, Jeff? I'm with Jeff, uh, doing a little bit of work, and uh, I believe in Jeff, and I believe what he's doing is, is helping people, and, and I hope the mic is still working well for you, Jeff. It works fantastic. Thank you very much, Tony. And Tony has brought me my supplies from switchaway.com slash ROR. <laughs> hey, wonderful. Hey, listen, I thank everyone for being here and, uh, and God bless each and every one of you. I can't wait for part two. Uh, oh, before we go, I need to read the super chats that have come in and this one just came in. Um, did Chris find out about the Egyptian tunnel found on Google Earth? That was brought up last week. Chris, do you have the answer for that one? No, sorry. I've just been so tied up with rebuilding everything after Hurricane Ian and uh, dealing with insurance companies, et cetera. So uh, we'll we'll get that. Uh, this about the uh, um, the point, uh, wh whichever uh, of our honored uh, uh, guests or, or uh, audience mentioned that. Okay, you're talking about the uh, the tunnel under Egypt. Okay, all right, uh, I'll work on that. But uh, I was getting this prepared for you, because uh, and we already talked uh, just before the show. So um, anyway, we'll work on that. Um, I will get you the uh, part two um, this week, and I'll pr probably do it this weekend. Anyway, if you ever want to do a makeup uh, time. On, and get part two done faster, we can do that as well. Because my co-author, or rather partner in uh, our show of Beyond One's Belief uh, uh, with Raccoon and Big Chief, Big Chief has so many issues with his large family and issues going on that he's not going to be able to continue his uh, podcast anymore. So that has opened up our Mondays. Anyway, I just wanted to mention that. And my other well, Chris, a, a really good segue on your last comment. And one of the uh, comments, this one comes from Jan. It says, can we find Chris on other channels, but you will always be my favorite Jeff. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jan. What other shows are you on Chris that you want to advertise and where can they find them? Okay. The other is, uh, I do, uh, uh, in the Netherlands, I do with Lawrence and he is uh, called the world gone mad. And that is typically on, Tuesday uh, from 1 to uh, uh, 3 or 1 to 2.30 p.m. He also is cutting back to one-hour shows as you are, and he's going to have me on twice a week as you are. So it'll actually be uh, both of you. So we'll be able to offer the audience uh, more coherent and cohesive uh, essays and briefings uh, twice a week as we're planning to do with uh, uh this show here, Jeff, for like uh, splitting between Monday and, and Wednesdays. Anyway. And, and they're also on Podbean? They're all Podbean, every one of them. And oh, they're okay. 1, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, I was doing uh, on Fridays from 8.30 or 9 a.m., depending on him, uh, for two hours. And that was with 
South Osmond, and uh, his show is called Strange Days, and Days is spelled D-A-Y-Z. I did him for many months, and he's taken a uh, a break from uh, uh, doing his live show and just helping with his mom, Marie, on Sunday for music uh, trivia quizzing. But we have been doing that, and I was he even asked me to do back-to-back two-hour shows, so I had done even four hours with him at one time. Uh, that was very exhausting. Hey, listen, it's not easy doing this, folks. You have no idea the toll, and and I'm not one to complain about it. I'm thankful for the privilege of being able to do this, but the amount of research that has to be done, the amount of hours, and you know, and and especially when you do the video ones, like these lives are fairly simple, but anything with video takes so many hours. And, and, you know, as I say, just like, listen, I, as a podcaster, it's a 12 hour day. People think it's a cakewalk, but it's not folks. Um, so I can empathize with these guys, you know, having to deal with life and everything else. Um, that just, uh, that just happens. And, uh, let me see, Chris, I think there is one more. Yes. And it comes from Jan as well. It says, I so appreciate hearing the truth, Chris. Thanks, Jeff and Cisco. And before you comment, Chris, um, because Chris, you had mentioned Cisco at the top of the, uh, program. And it's funny. She has been on my mind all day. She's just back. She was traveling. She's actually called me twice during this broadcast. And, uh, I've just told her I'd call her back. Uh, but Cisco was really the one who put Chris and I together. And, uh, Cisco cares very much for Chris and, uh, and I'm glad that she made the introduction and, uh, you know, Cisco has been a big, big part of the show in many times. She'll be back on the air very soon, folks, for those of you who know who she is. But, um, if you haven't, I I just got to advertise her book, uh, behold a white horse, search it on (laughs) Amazon or wherever you buy books. And, uh, let me tell you, it is, it's earth shattering. Uh, it is so deep. It's not an easy read folks. I've had it for a year. Haven't been all the way through it yet. Uh, but it is, uh, it is really fantastic. And I'm going to get Cisco back on the air, uh, really, really soon. But this military analyst show is because of Cisco. Uh, so much love and gratitude to her as well. Let her also know Jeff that, uh, I, I called her several weeks ago. So when you talk to her today, uh, have her uh, text or email me and uh, so we can uh, uh, continue our phone conversation. We normally talk about once a month, but it's uh, she's been very busy. I know she went to the West Coast and now she's back home again. So um, just let her know that I, I called her. Okay. I will. Yeah, she had to be with family and, and she couldn't even get cell phone restrict, uh, reception where she was. And I was able to keep in contact with her just uh, because I had her sister's number. But uh, yeah, that that's the reason. She's not ignoring anyone, Chris. So, uh, But I will pass along the message for sure. And thank you so much again, Patriot Girl, for that. And Jan and for everyone who gives us the coffees and sends the gifts. As I say, we're really trying to get back into the top 20. In fact, we were number one in news and we will be again. And that's why we're doing these extra shows. But it only comes from audience participation. And, you know, it has to be during the live shows uh, that people give these gifts. You know, they cost $2 or $3 or whatever. Uh, they cost, but it all adds up and we need to get to a minimum of $220 in a calendar month, uh, in concert with a minimum of, uh, eight live shows. And then when you get, we achieve those, they start pushing you and, uh, we're going to get back into there because we're going hard at the fall and man, there's a lot of news to cover. And that's why, uh, the next pod being live will be Friday at 9 AM. And that will be Tom and I called the next page. And uh, we got really great reviews on the last show that we did. So uh, we thank you very much. And uh, Blue Soul, thank you kindly uh, for that. And uh, by the way, Blue Soul, a lot of you know her from Telegram and stuff like that. <laughs> I'm not, don't worry, I'm not going to say anything you don't like, Blue Soul. But Blue Soul is one of my greatest critics, and that's why I love her. Uh, she will call me out if, if she thinks I'm putting out false stuff. And, uh, and I love critical thinkers and, and by the way, I am not beyond correction folks. I, I actually love it. If I get something wrong and someone cares enough to let me know and they do it uh, in a loving way, uh, in particular, man, I want to come on and I'll tell you, uh, what I did wrong. So, Hey, thanks so much to everyone for being here. We'll see you on the next military analyst. And, uh, by the way, I have a great show, 
I believe I just finished recording it before this, uh, but uh, I've got Reb B, for those of you who know her. Uh, she will be on, I believe I'm going to post it Thursday, and uh, I might even be doing a live show tonight on YouTube, and then it'll be posted on to Podbean. Uh, but the, uh, I've got, a, I mentioned on last night's show, Be the Berean. Uh, for those of you who know what that is, it was on uh, last night's show. Well, I have a whole bunch of submissions that have come in already, and I've got a couple uh, that I think I'm going to tackle and be the Berean. Uh, it's going to be exposing the truth, folks. Uh, <laughs> it's going to ruffle some feathers out there, but uh, I think uh, you'll enjoy it, and uh, and we do this in service to the Lord God Almighty, Jesus Christ. Anyways, hey, listen, thank you, everyone, for being here. Remember, love your God, love your family, love your neighbors as yourself, and make a difference in your community.